again to Breath of Pragma. This is Dr. Dennis Daniels and the song you were just listening to is Celebrate He Lives by Fred Hammond, a song celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us here at Breath of Pragma where we love to encourage you to love to breathe and breathe to love. Breath of Pragma refers to the breath of life given to us by the Lord himself and of course, pragma is pragma love, the practical love that we share with each other on a daily basis, so routine and so natural, it's the foundation of every other type of love. Without pragma love, divorces fail, family relationships fail, philos or brotherly love fails. Pragma love is mandatory. It is the foundation, it is the everyday practical love, the practice of being kind to one another on a daily basis. Here at Breath of Pragma, I'll remind you that our sentinel verse is Genesis chapter two, verse seven, where it reads, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. In Job chapter 33, verse four, it says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So without further ado, let's start talking about how we can protect or preserve that breath of life. And let's have our medical minute here. So we want to thank our sponsors, drpoppy.com and executivepulmonarymedicine.com. And uh, you can reach them at those websites. Um, so this week, I thought that we would continue on our lectures on COPD. So we've been discussing obstructive lung diseases like asthma and COPD. And if you want to know more about those, I encourage you to visit our website and look at those previous uh, podcasts and get all caught up. We went over everything from lung anatomy to uh, circulation of the blood through our lungs and through our body. Um, and we discussed a lot about COPD. If you know someone who's on inhalers and they're having trouble understanding them or having the proper use, we did a show earlier on the proper use of inhalers as well. So we talked about bronchodilators or medicines that you inhale to open up your lungs if you have asthma or COPD. Last week, we talked about something that a lot of people forget to bring up or even clinicians forget to discuss this or make it as part of the treatment plan in COPD. And that was pulmonary rehab, which are exercises that help strengthen your lungs. They improve the quality of life. They reduce shortness of breath. Nothing can reverse the lung damage that is done. But these exercises can take the lungs you have and make you more efficient with them. They've also been shown to help with things such as anxiety and depression as well. So if you know someone who's suffering from COPD, especially in the later stages, make sure to remind them to bring up pulmonary rehab with their healthcare providers. So this week, I want to make a special note about 
lung volume reduction surgery. So here's how all lung diseases end. They either end in death, and the number one cause of death in our country is heart disease. Number two is cancer. But number three is lower respiratory tract infections or lung diseases and things like COPD and chronic bronchitis. So it can end in, in death. It'll be the reason a human being is not able to live any longer. Or you can get a lung transplant, and maybe we'll talk about that part a bit more next week. But there is something else. There's a step between dying and getting new lungs and having severe lung disease. There's another treatment option there. There's not that many people who qualify for this, but there's something called lung volume reduction surgery. Simply stated, it's taking out the bad part of the lung. So most people who smoke and get emphysema, they get emphysema in the upper lobes of the lungs. Now, you might remember from our lung anatomy discussions if you've been following since the beginning and if not i encourage you to go to the breath of pragma website and and get all caught up on those things they're free at this point but <clears throat> there are basically three lobes of lung on each side and most people who get smoking related lung disease or emphysema get it in the upper lobes on each side so and the right upper lobe and the left upper lobe is usually where the emphysema starts out and is pretty bad. And sometimes that can spare the lobes that are in the middle. Now, remember on the right side, it's called the right middle lobe. But the left middle lobe, so to speak, is kind of smashed down because it needs to make room for the heart. So because it's smashed down, we gave it a special name called the lingula. And then finally... There's also the right and left lower lobes. So if you have emphysema where the lungs, the, the bad part of the lung, fill with these little bubbles that we call blebs or bulli, uh, pneumatoceles, but basically emphysema are bubbles that form in your lung and it's a loss of destruction. And because these bubbles form, in their lungs, those bubbles start to take up space. And these bubbles or blebs that take up space can smash down the good lung. So if you're following along, you realize that in your left upper lobe and your right upper lobe, you can get diseases such as emphysema, which can expand and fill with and fill and take up space because of these bubbles or these blebs. And that means there's good lung in the middle lobes, so to speak. And remember, it's the lingula on the left and the lower lobes. So you have these air trapping or these bubbles that have formed in the lungs in the upper lobes, and it's smashing down the good lung in the lower lobes. So someone came up with the bright idea to say, well, why don't we cut out the diseased portion of the lungs, the bubble portion of the lung, and that will allow the two lower lobes on each side, which theoretically would be normal lung to expand. And when that works, it works. When it works, it is extremely helpful. But this is something where you really have to have 
a pragma relationship with your healthcare provider. You guys need to be discussing this really on a routine basis. So, because this is not something that's quick and easy. Believe it or not, certain subtypes of people can get lung volume reduction surgery and their chance of dying goes up. And sometimes you can do lung volume reduction surgery where you cut out the bad upper lobes, but then when the two lower lobes expand, now you realize that they also have bubbles in them. It's just that the bubbles were smashed down before, and now that you've cut out the upper lobes and allowed those lower lobes to expand, now you can find out that they also have bubbles in them. And sometimes we try to prevent that from happening with things like high-resolution CAT scans. But if you know someone who is suffering from end-stage lung disease, especially COPD and the, and the emphysema subtype, then you perhaps could have a very productive discussion with your healthcare provider. There are specific tests that he can do or she can do to help you determine if you're a good candidate for lung volume reduction surgery. And I will tell you though, it's not for everybody. And if your lung disease or your COPD and emphysema are not terrible and close to end stage, this surgery isn't recommended. This surgery is not meant to be a cure. This surgery is when the disease is so bad that if we maybe if we cut out the bad part of lung, it'll allow the good part of lungs to expand, essentially trying to increase the quality of life that that patient may have. It gets real tricky in saying if this lung volume reduction surgery can make you have a longer life, but perhaps it can help you have better quality for sure. So remember, it is not curative and it only is available for specific candidates who have very bad disease that is really only focused in the upper portion of the lungs. Um, but you know, if, if you know someone, for example, and there are multiple bronchodilators and they need oxygen all the time, or if they're on a ventilator uh, at night, for example, you know, you might want to have them, might want to just put a bug in their ear and say, hey, you know, did you, did you talk to your doctor about lung volume reduction surgery? And if you're not a candidate for lung volume reduction surgery, then that's a good way to start discussing lung transplant. And perhaps we'll touch on that a bit next week. So this week, I wanted to bring up uh, another issue um, when it comes to our biblical studies. And here at Breath of Pragma, we don't try to make any secrets about it. We don't mind sharing information about lung health and, and helping people breathe a little bit better. But remember, our goal is to help you breathe better so you can use that breath of life for what it was intended for, which is to spread Pragma love. So I'm going to take this moment to say something that I think will help some of our atheists in the audience. And that is, Charles Darwin is considered to be the father of evolution. And he made some statements that 
you really don't hear them emphasizing in school or in the media or other places. But I want to read you a quote from Charles Darwin. So Charles Darwin is the one who tries to say that we evolved from something. And you know, I just can't even approach the argument about evolution without pointing out that even the evolutionists say, we don't know how this all started. We're just saying that we believe things happen this way because of evolution. So having said that, Charles Darwin was considered to be the father of evolution. And he says that evolution happened after somehow there were already life forms existing on this planet. And that leaves you really saying Charles Darwin doesn't know how this started. He admits it. Or maybe aliens put us here. But if that's the case, then who created the aliens? And because they had to be created as well. The other thing about evolution is that it starts with the fact that the earth just showed up out of nowhere, that water just showed up out of nowhere, that the energy source to make this water or the molecules in the water stick together somehow uh, showed up out of nowhere. And so literally, if you are an evolutionist, you literally believe nothing created everything. But if you believe the word of the Lord and the Bible, which has never been disproven and has evidence to prove it, and we went over some of that, and we'll probably go over more before this is said and done. But you, you, you're here, so therefore you came from somewhere. And people who study genetics have determined that we come from one father and one mother that they actually called genetic Adam and genetic Eve. So I want to read you this quote from... Charles Darwin, the father of evolution, he says, quote, to suppose that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Now, that is from the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life from Charles Darwin, 1859. And it's on page 217 of that book. Charles Darwin is admitting that it is absurd to the highest degree to think that the eye evolved in any way, shape or form. Now that is just the eye. We don't really go into detail too much about how your brain is not just tissue sticking together, but your brain is actually an electrical system. We measure electrical waves in your brain. We measure electrical waves in your heart. So this isn't just tissue. This isn't just flesh. This isn't just the fact that some molecules laying in a puddle somewhere got hit by lightning and came together. No, they are literally electric. Right now, you are hearing the sound of my voice. Now, I want you to think about how that sound is being processed by your brain. Now, how does it go from being a sound wave in the air through your ear canal, through your auditory nerve, into your brain, and then you turn it into something that you can literally comprehend? I'll wait for you to answer that. If this wasn't just a 26-minute radio show, I would give you a whole lot more time to really think it over because when you're debating someone, that point right there is a great time to be quiet 
and let silence, silence be the teacher. So having said that, we have established without a doubt there is a Lord and that Jesus Christ is that Lord and Savior. Dr. Peter Stoner determined that the chances of any human being fulfilling the prophecies of the Bible to be the, the, the spoken of Messiah or the predicted Messiah is one in 13 trillion. Another point that I love to bring up about the Lord Jesus Christ is the people who hated him, the people who hated him had to admit that he did miracles. Back then, if you were caught in a lie, sometimes the punishment was death, literally death. And so people who saw Jesus do these miracles, but didn't want to acknowledge him as the Messiah, as the son of God, as God with us, would say, oh yeah, you made that blind man see. You made that kid stop having seizures. You made that person walk again. You brought that person back to life, but you did it for the devil. Well, I can tell you a secret. Evil people don't doubt that Jesus is real. You never have to convince a witch or warlock or devil worshiper who their enemy is and, that, and who their real true enemy is or if their enemy exists, their enemy is the Lord Jesus Christ. And they tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ is real. So having said that, the devil knows he's real. The people who watched him do miracles could not deny that he did miracles. Now I dare you this week, go find someone who really doesn't like you and see if you can get them admit that you are fantastic at something. See if you can get them to say one single good syllable about you. You can't. But these people who hated him had to admit right then and there that he performed miracles. So I don't know how much more evidence you'll need. But the fact is, there is a creator. And that creator walked amongst us. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. With that being said, our greatest gift from the God who created everything is our breath of life. And... Proverbs tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. We always want to encourage you to use your powerful breath, that powerful, wonderful gift from God, to, be, to speak pragma love. And it's so simple and it's so easy. Sometimes just a simple hello is enough to, to qualify as being pragma love. Can I do anything for you? I hope you have a good day. Wish well, wish people well. These are small, simple things that you can do to use that great gift. You have the ability to speak and to use that great gift to do something wonderful and simple like spreading pragma love. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, that's where the 10 commandments are. And you know, there's four commandments that tell us how to love God and there's six commandments that tell us how to love each other. And for the record, there are about 613 commandments in all. But in Exodus 20, 16, it says, thou shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you know, sometimes when God is trying to make an important point, he'll emphasize it. In Proverbs 24, verse 28, he says, be not a, a witness against thy neighbor without cause and deceive not with your mouth. So you either believe that you came from nothing or that your great, 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 great grandfather is a ocean crab or something stupid like that, or you better not lie. God can't stand a liar. It's simple, but 
I want you to see the difference between those two verses, because one of the Ten Commandments says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. But in Proverbs, it says, be not a witness. Didn't say anything about false. Don't even be a witness against your neighbor without cause. You shouldn't be speaking negative, bad things about someone else unless you have a legitimate cause to do so. Now, if you're not going to say it in front of their face, and if they're not there to defend themselves, then you are doing the work of the devil. We've gone over multiple verses about how the devil is the father of lies and what God has planned for liars. But I will remind you of Revelations chapter 21, where God lists several people that he plans on burning in a fiery lake of sulfur. Why a lake? Because it doesn't communicate with anybody else, with any other bodies. Why fire? Because it's going to burn you till you exist no more. And why sulfur? Because sulfur stinks. That's what God thinks of liars. If you ever search up lies, and by the way, there are well over 50 verses just against speaking against lies. 50. And there's more than that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I haven't counted them all. But I can tell you without a doubt, there's more than 50. Did you ever have somebody tell you something 50 times? How many times does God have to tell us not to lie? But it's not just telling us not to lie. He, he, I mean, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, he literally says, lie not to one another. Because in Revelations 21, he says, I'm going to treat the liars just like I treat child molesters and murderers and evil mean people. In fact, many times you'll find, find when the Lord is making reference to lies, within a few sentences, he is correlating that lie to beating, to being a murderer, because lies kill. Lies get people killed. Lies hurt. We talked about how lies have landed people on death row, and then those people are on death row, and, and, one, and one out of 10 of them uh, are proven innocent by DNA, ultimately. So how did they get there in the first place? Somebody lied. Somebody bore false witness. Think about the time that someone lied on you. Now, did it cost you a friend? Did it cost you a job? Did it cost you a family member? What did it cost you? Are lies destroying your relationship with your children, with your parents, with your spouse? Are you exchanging love, pragma love, for lies? Well, here's a secret. Don't lie. It's that simple. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. It's real simple. If someone is telling you something that is negative about someone else, if it's going, if it has the potential to cause harm, then you need to test it according to the word of the Lord. You need to test those spirits. You need to test because everyone is a spirit. We can get into that maybe at another show, but everyone is a spiritual being. Okay, we are spirits, angels are spirits, the Lord Jesus Christ was a spirit, and these spirits need to be tested. It literally says, if someone comes to you and is trying to feed you some lie that's going to hurt someone else, you need to test it. And you want to know the test that I tell everybody to use? And people, people change when you say this to them. If you really want to see a person change and get stumped, you tell them, well, before you say those words to me, 
Say, dear Lord Jesus Christ, please hold me accountable for every syllable that is about to come out of my mouth. Take the words that are about to come out of my mouth and, and judge me and hold me accountable and punish me or bless me according to these words. Because the best prayer you can say about someone who isn't treating you right is, dear Lord Jesus Christ, treat them, bless them, bless them according to their works. You pray for them and you say, dear Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not their judge. I'm turning them over to you. Bless them according to their works. And if you really want to make sure that you are not a liar, that God has plans to burn forever. By the way, in that verse in Revelations, you know, God says, I'm going to burn adulterers and I'm going to burn murderers. Then he says, and I'm going to burn all liars. Look it up. The only time, the only one he puts the word all in front of is liars. God can't stand liars because words can cause death. Make sure you're not causing death. And one test you can say is, say the words as if you are saying them directly to the proven Messiah, to the one and only Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, judge me according to the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Judge me as if these words are the, the a representation of what is in my heart. And I want you to hold me accountable and bless me according to the syllables coming out of my mouth right now. And you would be shocked how much people stop saying silly things, stop saying stupid things. In Revelations 21, just, just to make sure we drive that home, it, it reads, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, they will burn in the fiery lake of sulfur. In 1 John, it reads, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. This is pragma love. Live according to the word of the Lord. Spread pragma love. Read 1 John again. Also in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Thank you for listening to Breath of Pragma. Be nice. Say nice things.